Hello, Monetization Nation. In the last episode with Craig Willett, we discussed his entrepreneurial journey and four secrets to success and happiness that he learned over his career. In today's lesson, we're going to discuss what it means to leave a legacy with our businesses. In this entrepreneurial journey you've had, what has been the greatest home run that you hit? Well, I think I described taking something from nothing. You know, uh, I didn't have, I mean, I had saved in my CPA business. I had been very successful as a CPA. In fact, I testified in Congress and had gone to lunch in the private dining room in the, in the Capitol building, which I don't think even private citizens can access now given the situation. But, you know, I, I had a lot of success. But for me, the passion to be able to create something from nothing, both as a CPA when I started my own firm, to then in real estate development, taking an opportunity that came up, the trust that, that had invited me to be part of it, it went upside down and they needed cash and I was able to buy them out. But that ability to express from nothing to take, so, you know, to where you can take a product from nothing and then make it prominent to where it resonates with, with the marketplace and people want your product and grow it. And I think to develop over $750 million of real estate from nothing. And I really didn't start with uh, a silver spoon in my mouth at, by any stretch of the imagination. I worked hard for everything we ever had. And so I think for me, the greatest home run is to be able to take something that start from nothing and end up with something. And it's not the money they ended up with. It's all the relationships and all the lives that you touch as you build a successful business. Yeah. Was there, I know as entrepreneurs get more successful and get further along in their career, they, they become more and more focused on those relationships and more and more focused on that legacy. Was there ever a time in your career when you weren't quite as focused on the relationships or um, at that legacy, right? And, and talk to me about that, that transformation in you. Well, I think what really happened for me that made me step back and realize that you take it for granted and not that I didn't have a lot of good relationships, but to accomplish at the levels we were accomplishing, it took a lot. And my firm was growing and we were hiring a fair number of people, but it still took a lot of effort on my part. And so, you know, it, during your career, you can have a whole bunch of lists of things to accomplish and things that you uh, put yourself in the middle of to kind of help assure the success of your company. And while I had many opportunities to give in the community and, and serve in the Chamber of Commerce and, and other, other charity boards, it was great. But I realized that my drive to continue to do more and respond to the demand put a toll on me. You know, my health maybe suffered a little bit. And then when the financial crisis hit, I don't think I had anything left in the tank. Yeah. And I'm not a quitter, so I was continuing to fight through, but I remember a day sitting in my office or standing in my office with a guy who was working with me to kind of negotiate with some of the banks who were struggling themselves because the government was putting pressure on them to not have any commercial real estate in their portfolio. And so all of a sudden, instead of banks offering me money on silver platters, they're all of a sudden want to take 
everything back and get rid of any note they currently have with you. I got a call from one of my attorneys and I remember when I was talking to him, I had the phone up to my ear and all of a sudden the whole left side of my body went numb. And I told the guy that was in the room, I said, I'm numb all on the left side. And his wife works for cardiac emergency room. Yeah. So he told me to get off the phone and, and I lost my voice. He threw some aspirin down me, called 911. Next thing you know, I'm on the couch in my, in my office, shirt ripped open and the ambulance was there and they were throwing nitroglycerin down my throat and put me on an EKG monitor and rushed me off to the hospital. Uh, before I went, I had uh, some people that worked for me administer to me a, a blessing. And I also had my assistant call my wife to have her meet me there. While I was there, I realized something. It was, I had given myself a date by which if things didn't turn around, I would close the business down. Now, no business or entrepreneur really ever wants to close a business down. And that day had come. It was my dad's birthday. It was February 1st. And I, that was the date by which I said I would make the final decision of what to do. And I was nowhere near thinking of it that day. The last thing I wanted to do is think, really think about it. But as I lay there in the hospital waiting for the doctors to tell me what was wrong, I realized that I probably hit the end of the rope for me. I hit, had exhausted all my physical capacities. And when the doctor came in, he said, he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> I kind of laughed. I said, well, I was hoping you could tell me. And he said, well, he said, we've run all the tests. It doesn't look like you've had a heart attack, which was our concern. But he says, I, my guess is you're under a lot of stress. And I kind of smiled. <laughs> I thought, how did you know? And uh, I remember sitting there and I asked Carol to take me back to the office and that I'd get my car and bring it home, but I was going to stay for a little while. <laughs> and she kind of said, well, why would you want to stay there for a little while? I said, because I want to call the key employees of my business in and let them know that I've made the decision that I need to unwind this business. And I spent the next three years unwinding a business. It got fairly sizable and I wanted to do it in an honorable way. And I did, but it was a turning point. As I look back, sometimes my, my desire to meet my objectives really may have stood in the way of nurturing some relationships. I mean, I really liked it when my bank would call me in and ask me how much money I needed the next year and tell me all about the projects. And I, and I asked them one time, I said, well, why, why do you have me come in every year and talk about what my objectives are. They said, well, you're one of the only businesses that ever does everything that they say and then some more. So we wanna make sure we have enough oh. money for you. Well, they were the second bank in the country to get closed down <laughs> during the financial crisis in the, in the whole United States, not just Arizona. And so that, that really put me dealing with the FDIC and you know, it put me uh, scrambling. But as I look back, I probably, my wife said, did you have to do that many deals? And to be honest with you, maybe I didn't. But you know, you kind of get that drive for success. And sometimes how much you do doesn't matter as how well you do. And we did well, but there's some relationships I wish I'd spent more time on. But they weren't family and they weren't with my wife, thank goodness. Yeah. What a profound question that every single entrepreneur should ask themselves is, do I really need to do that many deals? How much can I simplify? Want? Yeah. Can I simplify? Can I take a little less time in my business and a little bit more time on those relationships that matter? 
You know, Nathan, one thing that I've thought about a lot since then is, and I came up with it early on, a friend said to me, what's your number? And I said, what do you mean, what's your number? He goes, well, how much do you think is enough for you? And, you know, I never told somebody outside of my family what that number was, but I had exceeded that number by a multiple of four, not just in amount of net worth, but in recurring income. And, you know, today I'm back to that original number and I'm a lot happier, but I can tell you, you know, so it came down dramatically, you know, 75%, but I can tell you that it's really important to, to know what's enough and sufficient for your needs. And th there's no, there's no limit to the amount of success you can experience, but yeah. there's, a there's a limit to a, the amount we can give to an enterprise because it will take it all. And now, so I know some of the things in your personal life and the thing, your plans and what you're, you're working on. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about that, because I think it's, it's really relevant because you were in a spot where, where you had far surpassed what you needed for the rest of your life. You didn't need any more money, but you were driven to keep um, doing the next deal and keep building and growing your business as, as all of us are, right? That's the entrepreneurial drive. And, and you had this kind of wake up call in your life and it made you kind of re rethink a little bit where you wanted to go. And I know that within the next couple of weeks you have, because you've scaled back your business and, and you're not doing those new deals, you, you've got a new adventure that you're starting in your life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, just a little preface to it. You know, part of, and, and no excuse for it, but part of the drive was you want something enduring. And with the enterprise I had built, I was hoping that my children someday would be old enough, but they were still fairly young themselves. You know, they weren't even, they were just beginning. Some of them were just only beginning their college education and just graduating high school. So that success came at a young age for them. And I was hopeful that maybe I could teach them some of my tricks. Now it's come full circle. As you say, you know, I, one of my endeavors has always been to go on another full-time mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, I've been working at it for quite a while. In fact, um, I, I draw on my years as the CPA and look at which people had probably the best quote-unquote retirement or financial security and where did they invest and how did they invest to give them that freedom and flexibility to do what they want when they wanted to. And, and while I had achieved that a number of years ago, I was still involved in a public company and that demanded some travel to Israel and a few things. And, and then I kind of gave that up and I kind of let, let it be known that I was ready to do that and, and had reached out to where I felt I could be effective and no response. And so I, I didn't figure that was the right time, but um, about a year, about a year ago, well, not quite a year ago, uh, last August, I had reached a year of having my championship, world's championship horse for sale. And I had put him up for sale intentionally, not that I don't love showing horses and I've accomplished well there, but I did it so I could serve God better. And, I, and he hadn't sold. And I remember kneeling down and praying and saying, Heavenly Father, why haven't you accepted my sacrifice of my horse? And 
because um, he hadn't sold and he should have. He was, he was, he was very accomplished. And, he, and the answer came, you haven't offered what I wanted you to offer. And he told me what that was. And so I sat down with Carol and talked about what that would be. And so we decided to make that sacrifice. Within hours of implementing that decision, the horse sold. Um, we started looking, what we, what we needed to do is sell our home in Arizona. What we, what we started looking for another home in Arizona couldn't, couldn't find one that we felt good about. And so we started talking about serving a mission again full time. And then we started talking about when we would leave, how long we would go and where we would go. And within about a week of asking ourselves and, and looking, our phone rang and someone called saying we have this need. And it was exactly in the same place we had tried two years earlier to, to volunteer and, and the opportunity came and, and with COVID we've made ourselves ready and, and now, but it's been a blessing to the family. Our children, I've formed an investment committee of my three sons. My daughter manages the podcast and our personal finances. And then I have a son who's a CPA, a son who's an investment advisor, and a son who's in marketing, and they're handling all the business affairs and the investments that we have. And this isn't how I thought I would teach my children business, but it's been a great experience. We've had fun in the last six months having our meetings and sharing, assigning responsibilities and having them do some work and come back and report. It's been a great experience. But this is what I've wanted to do for a long time is share my beliefs in Jesus Christ with people who aren't as familiar with him and to be able to do that in a personal and real way and to be able to support other missionaries who are doing that and to help the church grow. And uh, so we're excited. And this is a great example of one of the, one of the best parts of entrepreneurship. You, you work really hard, you, you put the money away and then you can give back how you really want to give back. You can, you can go volunteer your time and volunteer your leadership skills and, and expertise to, to go make a, a difference for good in a, in a social cause. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, about, about leaving a legacy? Well, and a social contribution. Yeah. I, I think I have a really, probably a short comment on that. Not that my other ones, we're short. <laughs> but in that respect, Nathan, I, I really feel you can give money and not that I haven't and I do. But the greatest contribution you can make is when you give of yourself. And that we follow that pattern, even with our investments, when we invest in a company, they get our money, but they also get some of our expertise. And that's part of the condition of the investment. And um, not that we need to control because that's not usually what we asked for, but we want to contribute and be, whatever expertise we have, we feel maybe we'll make things a little bit better. And so for me, um, I see a lot of people naming buildings and I've had opportunities to do that, name things after me or my business. And while that's an honor, the greatest honor I can give is the legacy to my children and my grandchildren that we put God first and we do his work to help bring the world closer to Jesus Christ. I love that. You mentioned your world champion horse. 
you have become a world champion equestrian yourself. You want to tell us a little bit about that? And then maybe what is the top lesson that you learned from the equestrian world that entrepreneurs could apply into, into their uh, businesses? I, I wonder sometimes why the success that I had came. Um, but let me tell you how it started. My wife, Carol, loves horses, and she got one when she was 16 years old, and she loved her horse. <clears throat> and she showed some. Shortly after we were married, her horse passed away. And when our youngest child was in, um, was in school, got into kindergarten, uh, somebody moved into the neighborhood that had horses. And so Carol went out and started renewing her passion and riding horses part-time while our daughter was at school. And one day she came home and she said, they put me on this horse, it's for sale. And I just know somebody's gonna buy it. And it was getting close to her birthday. I had to tell her, I said, well, I think you're just gonna ruin your birthday a little bit early. I already bought that horse for you. <laughs> and so I committed to her that I would support her in her passion. And despite all the business endeavors that I had and all of my travels to Washington DC to testify and all the community things and the church things I was involved in, I, I only missed two classes that she participated in. I never missed a show that she did and she's competed in thousands of classes. I missed two. Um, but when the, and our two youngest children were involved in that, I was golfing with our two older ones and she, and, and helping them in their golf endeavors. And she spent time with them. And she said to me, when the youngest graduated high school, I said, good, now we can get rid of the horses. <laughs> and she said, no, why don't you try it? And I, I guess I was a sucker. And actually it was great within, oh, probably a year or two of me trying that I, I was winning national championships against professional uh, horsemen. And I was an amateur and still am. And then that led to um, probably a, going for a world's championship, which was something I set my sights on. So the lessons learned there are, you know, if you're gonna do so something, do it with passion, make sure you love it, make sure you enjoy it. And don't be afraid to try something new. I'm grateful Carol asked me and invited me to do that. It gave me, you know, I wasn't sure if I could do it, but I was fortunate to have some of the best trainers in the world helping me. And I was fortunate that one of them had a good eye and found a great horse. My first national championship was a horse I borrowed from our son who was a great horse, but he was serving a mission and he let me use him while I was gone. But it was a year of traveling to go spend time with that horse, get to know the horse and learn from the best. And I really learned from the best on how to show that horse. And when it came to, I don't compete on Sundays because I'm an amateur. Uh, the amateur national championship was on Sunday. So I had to compete against the professionals. And I knew that a year in advance that it was gonna be on, that the amateur was on Sunday. So I had to compete against the professional horse the, the professional trainers. And I spent time, I competed in everything I possibly could against the best. And when you go up against the best, you get better. 
it all came together one day and it came together several other times where I was unanimous national and, and world's champion. But it, it, I guess my lesson is my takeaways are don't be afraid to try something new and learn from the best and then don't give up, keep working at it and refine your talents and your skills. And don't accept, don't accept being second place, but you, you know, it's, it's a subjective decision (laughs) as to who wins. Right. So it's not so much that I won. It was as one horse photographer recently told me, he said, Craig, you can tell you enjoy it. Look at the smile on your face when you're in there with the horse, it says everything. Yeah. And that's really what it was. It wasn't about winning because winning isn't everything, but it's enjoying it and having fun along the way. And I tell you, what, I had a lot of fun. I'm so glad you got to have that experience. We've, we've had a horse before too. And, and uh, my daughter did some competing with that. And, and that was a lot of fun for me to experience that vicariously. I was never good like you were, but <laughs> it's a fun sport. I think I got lucky, but you know, you just kind of have a passion. I was trying to keep up with Carol and it was a lot of fun because this was during a lot of that happened during the time where I was winding down the business. So it gave me something to do and something to put some energy into. It was good. Thank you so much, Craig, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, leaving a legacy is not about being able to make the most money or find the most success. It is all about the relationships we make and the lives we touch through our businesses. Number two, the greatest contribution we can make is giving ourselves. Number three, while there isn't a limit to success, there is a limit to what we can give. We should try to avoid falling into the trap of spending too much time and effort on our businesses that we forget about the most important things in our lives, such as our families. Number four, if we're going to start a business, We need to give it our all and do it with passion. Number five, we shouldn't be afraid of trying new things. Number six, a great way to refine our skills is to learn from the best and compete against the best. Number seven, winning isn't everything. We shouldn't get so consumed in our end goals that we forget to enjoy the journey. To learn more about or connect with Craig, You can connect with him on LinkedIn or visit his website at bizsherpa.co. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get my free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to identify and leverage the highest level passions of our ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in leaving a lasting legacy. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.